Holdren. I'm the host of Willpower Podcast, and today we have a very special guest. His name is Travis Chapel, and Travis is a top 25 business podcast host, and he is also the founder of Guestio, which connects creators with great guests. And he is also someone who specializes in generating and forming re- relationships, and he believes that it's more about who you know than what you know. So it's an honor to have him on here. So Travis, thank you so much for joining me today. Will, what's up, bro? Thanks so much for having me. Of course, it's my pleasure. So to start off, I thought all my guests the same question. Uh, so what motivates you to get out of bed every day to do what you do? Oh, man, uh, easy easy answer for that one now uh, because I have a, a 17-month-old son and then my wife is due in the next, let's, uh, let's see, six weeks or so actually now coming up pretty quick with our daughter. So Definitely, uh, definitely the added motivation that that, uh, that I didn't have before, and uh, for sure my answer to that question. <laughs> Congratulations with that, by the way. Yeah, thank you, uh, thank you. So I also like to dive in on what the child childhoods of these people were that I have on my podcast. So can you kind of walk me through what your childhood was like, and how did you kind of get to where you are today? Yeah, man. So I grew up in a pretty strictly religious home. Um, my upbringing was all kind of in unique and one perspective because I grew up on the on one campus really and when I say that I I genuinely mean that like I went to kindergarten on the same campus that I graduated college from and uh, it was also where my church was so we did we had three services a week Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night and then we had school obviously Monday through Friday and we had soul winning on Saturday and you know all the youth activities and sports games and everything in between so the majority of my life was lived on that one campus so it kind of acted as a little bit of a bubble and so I always thought that I was going to be in ministry when I when I grew up and uh, that was the path that I went down and the college that was on that campus was purely ministerial college. And so my major was Bible and church ministries, double majored in Bible and church ministries in college. But uh, by the time I went to graduate, I basically figured out that that wasn't really the path that I wanted to go down anymore. And uh, so I had to kind of start, you know, trying to figure it out from there. And uh uh, during college, I, one of my buddies started doing door to door sales and it intrigued me at the time because he was actually uh, a friend of mine from high school. And I remember the summer before he was working two full-time jobs to try to start paying for college. Cause the thing about that college is that it was, is also unaccredited. So it was a, it was a purely ministerial unaccredited college. So there was no, you know, scholarships, there's no grants, there's no, um, you know, money or loans that we could get for college. We just had to pay for it outright. And, uh, so he was working two 40 hour a week jobs one summer. He couldn't like hang out ever because he was always at work and stuff. And it caught my attention when he told me he was doing this new job because he told me that he made the same amount of money in 20 hours working this job as he did in 80 hours working two of his other jobs previously. And so I was like, Oh, can you give me an interview with your supervisor? Jump, got me an interview. And, um, I jumped into door to door sales for the first time and did pretty well with it, man. It was just like, um, had kind of, I think a natural proclivity toward being uh, pretty good with sales and things. And so I, uh, got promoted my first week, got promoted my third week, got promoted again, and within a couple of months, I was running uh, my own team of door-to-door sales guys, and we had like 17, 18 guys on our team um, going door-to-door selling solar. Um, and 
from that point forward, that was kind of what I was. I enjoyed learning about. I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed the the hustle. I enjoyed the grind. I enjoyed learning about um, how to sell better and stuff like that. And it kind of started overtaking everything in my mind to the point where, when I, by the time I was a junior in college, like I really started thinking, like, man, this this thing that I'm going to be doing the rest of my life isn't really what I want to be doing anymore. And uh, this other thing seems like it would be a lot of fun. So uh, I ended up graduating college. We moved away uh, to, uh, to uh, Central California because I grew up in Southern California, moved up to Central California after we graduated from school. When I say we, that's me and my wife. We got married pretty young. Um, we were, she was my fiance at age 20, and then I got married to her at age 21. She was 22. And uh, we moved up to Fresno. And for the first time ever in my life, I was finally outside of that bubble. And so that was really when I started kind of to discover who I was and kind of get to know me without the all the other influences that had been shaping me my whole life. And uh, I knew that I wasn't going into ministry. So really the only skill set that I had to fall back on was door-to-door sales. And so I just kind of kept doing door-to-door for a while, did, did really well with it. And uh, my first year uh, out of college, I made six figures going door-to-door selling uh, alarm systems. And at that point, it was kind of counterintuitive, Will, because... Uh, most people, if you're, you know, 22 years old and you make six figures, you know, doing whatever you want for the most with most of your time and working 20 hours a week and stuff like that, which is what we were doing because we only worked when everybody else was home, which was like between three o'clock and eight o'clock, and uh, so kind of got to do the rest of, got kind of got to do what I wanted with the rest of my day. And uh, so it was a pretty cool way to make a living. And we kind of hung out on the weekends, kind of party with people. And obviously, based on how I grew up, I was never doing any of that stuff, never partied, never did any of that stuff. So it was kind of a fun year just to kind of make some money and um, and uh, hang out and all that kind of stuff. But then by the end of the year, I figured out that that was also not what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So now I knew that I didn't want to be in ministry and I knew that I didn't want to do it or sales. But the problem was that those were the only things that I was qualified to do, you know, like my, my degree was in ministry stuff and my experience was all in door to door. So I just right. kind of was forced to try to figure out what was next. And I don't really know what to do at that point, but I, I was already older. I was I already had too much responsibility, so I couldn't go sleep on my mom's couch and try to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like I had a wife and we had a mortgage on a house that we bought. We had real bills, real expenses that needed to be paid. Um, so we cashed out on a real estate deal that we were in at the time. And then my wife was also working which enabled me for the first time in my life to dive into personal development because I just didn't know what I was going to do next. And uh, so started getting into books and audiobooks and podcasts for the first time. And uh, when I started listening to a bunch of, pod- a bunch of podcasts, it was just kind of like, this seems like a really interesting way to make a living. And that's what sparked the idea to start my show. And uh, that's kind of, you know, brings us back to when I started being in the online space, which is basically everything that I do now. Um, but it all started with like, I just don't know what to do, don't know where to go. How do I figure that out? I think probably trying to learn new information would probably be a good step in that direction. And through learning that podcasting just kind of appeared to be one of those ways that was a really cool way to do it. So um, that kind of that kind of brings us all the way up to, to, uh, to what do we do, what I do now. Wow. I mean, that is honestly a, a really interesting story. I loved how you had so many like switches along your life as well. And I know like a lot of college kids struggle because they don't, they go to college on the side and they think that's like, that's like a bad thing to do. But like, as you can see, like even for you, you kind of switched after you, you, you went to college and got a degree and like, that's totally fine as well. And um, so, so you were able to create six figures in sales when you were in your early twenties and you obviously, I mean, you, you didn't major in sales or business or anything like that. So how did you kind of get that sales background so you could actually go out there and dominate it? 
Yeah, that's a good question, man. I think first off, I like I said a little bit before, I had a little bit of a natural proclivity to being good at sales. Um, like it just kind of made sense to me. Um, and I think that came through. I, I have the opposite personality of a typical salesperson. Typical salespeople are very uh, high drivers. They're very um, uh, highly energetic. Typically, they have really high highs, really low lows, tend to maybe even struggle with some depression and other things like that. Um, I was very much not that way. But what I did know was how to communicate with people. And I, I felt like I knew how to read people pretty well. And then uh, present, and then I was just persistent. I, I wouldn't give up, and so that one I think was 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 a huge part of it, especially in door to door, and especially in a hundred percent commission door to door. When like if you don't sell, you don't get a paycheck. You know what I mean? So uh, I think it was partially that. But then when I really look at it, I, really what it was in order to like cross the six figure mark, it was the fact that I got around somebody who had crushed it in that arena. And I'd learned from that person as much as I possibly could. It's like my first ever mentor that I really had uh, was the owner of the alarm company that I made six figures in. And uh, he was a young guy. I was I was 22, but he owned the company and he was 29. And uh, and so I figured like this guy seems to be doing something right. You know, he makes pretty good money, clearly, and uh, makes a lot more than I do and knows this industry inside and out. Probably a good person to learn from. And I took up any opportunity that I could to get around him, to soak up information from him, to learn from him um, as much as I possibly could. And uh, I think that was a huge contributing factor because that was before I was really into books or reading or listening to audiobooks or podcasts or anything like that. I was just learning directly from the person who did it. A lot of times you don't have to reinvent the wheel, man, especially in sales um, uh, organizations. And and processes where there's a real cut and clear process that's been in place for a long time and it works like you don't have to reinvent the wheel you just got to uh, formula you just got to follow what's already been done and then kind of add your own spin on it as you continue to get to know what that product or service or company does um, and uh, and so that's kind of what what my perspective was but definitely just getting around somebody who was a lot better than I was right and that's awesome to see that it worked out for you Okay, and then fast forward in your life, and then later you started your podcast, and that's honestly how I knew you because your podcast. I haven't seen your own. I've seen your Instagram ads on Instagram, Facebook ads. Um, so when you first started your podcast, how was that initial startup, and what did you do to make it take off so quickly? Yeah, so when I started my podcast, I thought I was going to be talking about sales because that was the only thing that I really knew about at the time, you know. Um, but you know, a quick, a quick search in iTunes showed me that there was like so much saturation in that particular, um, uh, that particular niche or category. And not to say that you can't enter something that has a lot of, uh, saturation or competition. It just means that you have to be that much better. You know what I mean? Uh, if you're going to cut through the noise. And so instead of going that route, um, and I, I figured at that point too, like I was trying to get out of door to door sales and trying to get out of like the sales world and that in that regard. And so yeah. I figured if I started a podcast that was about that, all I would do is further entrench myself in that world rather than separate myself from it. And so um, I asked myself the exact question that you just asked me, which is like, what would I attribute my sales ability to? And the answer for me was getting around somebody who was really good, like I just said. So um, that's what kind of prompted the idea of starting a show about networking. It was because I was just like, man, it seems like this is such a really valuable thing. Um, and at the time, what ended up happening was when I stopped working for that guy, he ended up basically totally ignoring me from that point forward, like never helped me with anything ever again. He literally stopped answering my text messages. Um, and so when I started the show, 
I was quite literally starting from scratch in terms of my network because the people that I'd grown up with, the bubble that I grew up in, you know, didn't really care about what I was doing anymore after I decided to not be in ministry. And then the guy that helped me be successful in door to door didn't really care about what I was doing anymore because it wasn't helping him anymore. And so I was kind of starting, I was not even just kind of, I was literally starting from scratch in terms of the people that I was trying to fill into my network. And so I knew that if I could get around good people, ask them really good questions about networking, get better at networking myself, that I could continue to get around better people and learn more about the things that I really wanted to accomplish. Um, and so that's kind of where the, the idea of networking came from. And then that thought just kind of kept following and compounding on itself. And I started to realize that if I could just get around the best quality people, um, then uh, that I could get really high quality guests on my, on, on my show. And if I got high quality guests on my show, then that would mean the content that I'm creating is really high quality. And that's why a lot of people never get good downloads on their show, man, is like they don't, they, they, never, they never bring good quality value to the conversation. And they get so shocked when, you know, three years later, they still have 112 downloads an episode. And it's just them talking to the microphone about their experience in not being successful and they never bring anybody else that is successful onto their show and you just got to ask yourself at the end of the day like am i really driving value to my audience and if i don't have the ability to offer that value as of now which i didn't at the time for sure because i was just starting out in this world and had no idea of what to do or how to even go about networking myself like i wasn't the expert but i just asked people who were experts and i got better at asking experts questions and i got better at finding better experts to ask questions to and uh and so the content I started to create became a little bit more valuable and a little bit more valuable and a little bit more valuable as I got better and as my guests got better. And uh, that's kind of what I started to become known for was uh, getting all the high level guests that I got on my show um, that a lot of other people who were way beyond me in terms of skill set, in terms of years of doing their podcast, in terms of even finances, in terms of their business holdings and all that kind of stuff, they were far beyond me, but they, they couldn't get the people that I was getting. And so that kind of just became my, uh, my, you know, I guess, quote unquote, claim to fame, if you, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, well, that's how I knew from your podcast. You've obviously had a lot of really great guests on there that, you know, every podcaster wants to have on their own podcast. And so, you know, what you said, I really love about networking because I truly do believe that it's more about relationship capital when you're early on in your career and getting those, those connections that can help you out and can help up them as well. And so one of the things you also said is that you, you were able to hang out around these people in order to gain their insights and get introduced to people that they know. So were you actually hanging out with these people in person or are you talking about just like texting them every other day or? Yeah, all of the above, man, all of the above. However, I could get around people that would allow me to hang out with them and learn from them. Um, the thing about successful people is it doesn't even have to be like a, a formal mentorship. It doesn't have to be like, I agree to mentor you, you agree to do the things I say. Like that's more of a coach than it is even like a mentor. And so I, I would just try to get around people. So like one of those things, like one of one of the guys that I wanted to learn from when I was starting in podcasting was John Lee Dumas because I knew that he was a crazy good podcaster and I wanted to learn how to podcast from John. And so I volunteered to work booths for him where I worked all day, like eight hour days selling journals at his booths. If you've ever worked a trade show or a home show or something like that, you know how much work goes into one of those days. And at the time, my time was pretty valuable doing those things. I'd been selling a lot of products and a lot of different home shows and door to door. And um, I knew that if I put that same amount of effort into the, the product that I was selling at that time, um, then I could have had a five figure weekend. But instead, I volunteered that uh, working for somebody that I wanted to learn from um, for free 
just so that I could hang around them, be associated with them and learn from them in an informal basis and, and build a real friendship there. Uh, so d yeah, definitely in person, like I would show up to every industry event that I could afford to get to. Um, I, you know, I went, I went to an event in Australia uh, that, that I found out was an event that a, a bunch of podcasters were going to where I could hang out with people and get to know people. Um, I went to uh, like two or three events stateside. And I, prior to that year, I'd never been to a business event. I had no idea what to expect. I just knew that that seemed to be where a lot of successful people were and a lot of successful people were hanging out. It's probably a good idea for me to show up and get to know some of those people. Um, so yes, uh, to, to in person, but also online, man, Facebook groups. If you like LinkedIn better, use LinkedIn groups. But I like Facebook groups. Um, just started connecting with people there. And then the podcast itself became a really great connection platform because I was interviewing, I was putting out three episodes a week. All of them were interviews. It's a lot of people that you got to meet. That's a lot of people you got to talk to. Um, and so I just started, I just started like reaching out and connecting with as many people as I could in whatever capacity that meant. If it's just an email exchange, if it's just like, hey, let's jump on a podcast interview. If it's a, do you have time for a five minute phone call? If it's a, hey, can I buy you a coffee at the next event that I see you at? Like whatever that capacity was, I was just all in for whatever I could do and try to, and I tried as much as, as much as I possibly could to add value with a little bit of amount of value that I had to offer at that point. I tried as much as I could to add as much value as I could to those people. Man. Yeah. And that's honestly so powerful. <laughs> like I said, like every podcaster wants to try to do that with people. And I know you said about John Lee Dumas and I know that for a fact, tons of people want to get in touch with him and have him help them start their podcast as well. So yeah. I'm, assuming that, I'm assuming that he was the one that helped you with your podcast then. Yeah, what's interesting is that when I reached out to him, he was already done doing coaching. And so he actually just introduced me to a different coach. I ended up working with that coach. But then what happened was I was I kept monitoring John's social accounts and was following him on Instagram. And then he announced that he was doing a mastermind at his house in Puerto Rico, which was like a three day mastermind. It was more expensive than the coach that I had bought. And it was only for three days. Like the coach was three months at John's house is only three days. But at the end of the day, I knew that I, that was an important relationship for me to try to build. Wow. And uh, so I paid the, it was like 6,500 bucks for the weekend plus my own airfare and travel expenses and stuff. So it was like an $8,000 weekend, which at the time was a big deal to me, man, because I, I had never spent any money on that kind of stuff. Like the, the most I'd ever spent on personal development was like a $25 book, you know, prior to John's recommendation to my coach, which was less than $4,000. And then to John's thing was $8,000. So it was like, man, the $4,000 investment was already a lot for me. So to think about spending on top of that 4,000, double 4,000. <laughs> like was, was, it seemed like it was something that was almost impossible. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, man, like it just depends on how much you want something. If, and, and I know personally that where my money is, that's where my mind's going to be. And if I invested into something like that, into myself, that I would make sure that it was going to pay off because I was going to put in the work to make sure that it did. And that's the problem is a lot of people think that those those types of masterminds and coaching programs are going to be the end all be all that like this particular investment is going to be the thing that makes them successful, where yeah. that's just step number one. Step number one is just making the investment and showing up you still got to follow it up with a shit ton of work after that. Excuse my language. You got to, you still have to follow it up with a bunch of work after that. Um, you still have to follow it up with the action that those people tell you to take. Um, and a lot of people don't do that. And then they, and then they crap all over the coaching and mastermind industry and call them all scams and stuff like that. And it's like, well, maybe if you had a little bit of work ethic, it might've worked out better in your favor. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so John helped you out with your podcast then. And like you said earlier in our interview, you said that, you know, if you're starting a podcast, you literally have to be that much better than everyone else because there's so many podcasts out there. So yeah. 
what were the main things that John has taught you that helped you make your podcast that much better than your competition? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is like, I don't even remember a lot of the knowledge things that I got from that weekend. Um, it, was, it was now, you know, three and a half plus years ago or something like that. And uh, I don't even remember like, a, like the things that I learned as much as I just wanted to cultivate that relationship, which has turned out to be a very fruitful relationship for me. Um, uh, but I, I will say this, though, I will say one thing that I definitely remember that I've taught to a lot of my coaching clients and a lot of our done for you production clients do what doesn't scale at the beginning because that's what's going to allow you to scale uh better so one of the things that i did from the very beginning of my show was i offered one-on-one phone calls to anybody that would be willing to jump on a phone call with me and at the beginning that was very 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 few people <laughs> like it was you know yeah. like i had a call to action on my show that i thought people would take advantage of and nobody would book any calls with me so i just started when like anybody anytime i got I got news or wind that somebody was listening to my show from something somewhere, I would reach out and be proactive and say, Hey, I would love to hop on a call with you. And, uh, I started jumping on 15 minute calls. Sometimes those 15 minute calls would turn into 30, 45 minute calls where we would talk about business, where we would talk about networking, where we would talk about podcasting. And I would just offer a bunch of my time to these people. Obviously that's something that's completely unscalable. There's no way that you can do that as your audience continues to grow. Uh, but at the time I knew that if I put the time in with my audience, really got to know them, really got a heart, a, a heartbeat on, on where they were, what problems they were facing, what kind of content they'd like to see from me and how I could best help them and serve them, I knew that that was just going to work out in the long run. And uh, it's one of the biggest things that I'm a proponent of to this day. And it's one of those things that I took away from that weekend from JLD. Okay, so you're you're more about being like getting like a more one-to-one -one relationship with your guests and hopefully they would share your podcast to other people then, right? So that was the premise? Yeah, not necessarily the guests, the listeners. Anybody that listened to the show, like anybody that was willing, anybody that's like, think about it, man. Like it's a really cool age that we live in that somebody in, in, you know, uh, the Philippines can download my podcast, never having met me before and listen to an entire episode where I talk to another person that I didn't also talk to in person. Like right. the fact that that can happen, even if you only have 27 downloads an episode, even if you only have 112 downloads an episode, like think about that in terms of like a crowd of people in your house and you start to like getting into real numbers where you're like, man, that's, that's super cool. And so I, I didn't want to take those, the, those listeners for granted. And so I did what I could to add value to them as much as I possibly could. Hey, can I help you with an intro? Can I, you know, what, what are some things you'd like to hear from me? Who's are who are some guests that you'd like me to interview? What are some other things that I could talk about or bring light to, um, on the show. And I jumped on one-on-one -on -one phone calls, with all those people, not really knowing what it would end up in. I didn't have a business model at the time, so I wasn't trying to sell them anything. And I don't think that it would have worked if I was trying to sell them something. Um, I was just trying to, trying to get across to them that like, I super, super appreciate the fact that out of all the shows in iTunes, you took time to listen to my show, even if it was only for 10 minutes, I just really want to say thank you. And I really appreciate that. And the thing is, if people just met you because they listened to your podcast, they don't really think of it as in terms of like the difference between you and, you know, somebody like Tim Ferriss or John Lee Dumas. They just know that like this person that all they've known before out of it, like the person in the context that like the context that they know you is just a guy that has a show that they listen to every once in a while. Like they don't know anything else about you except for the stuff that you talk about in your show. So the fact that you've taken a relationship that they didn't have with you and made that accessible for them completely for free without asking anything in return 
how much more likely are they to tell other people about your show versus any of the other shows that they're listening to? Because I can guarantee you that none of the other hosts of those other shows are jumping on one-on-one phone calls with them. They're not just, they're willing to, and, and, and to, and in a, I'm not even like bashing those hosts because I don't do one-on-one phone calls anymore. I don't have time. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that they should be. I'm just saying at the time I did make time for it because because that was what I perceived as being a really valuable use of my time to get to know my audience better. Like if you, if you can still like hop on one-on-one phone calls with anybody that, that, that'll, that'll be willing to listen to your show for a second, man, do it. Why not get as much feedback as you possibly can. These are the people that you're creating for. These are the people that make what you do possible. Why would you not be willing to give them some of your time? You know? Right. And honestly, that's so interesting to hear that you actually did that. And I think I'm going to actually start doing that because I love that. Um, good idea, I- man. I have so many more questions to ask you, but I know we're living on time. So I'm going to jump to this question. Um, so you're known for literally networking and generating really good connections with like your podcast guests. So what would be your top tips so that you can be like that podcast host that does generate good relationships with people and doesn't sound too pushy or always like asking for something from these guests? Yeah. So is the question more, how do you get the guests or is the question more, how do you not annoy the guests that you already got? How do you not annoy them and make a really good relationship? Yeah. So uh, I, I think, I think first of all, being honest about where you are, I think people, it, pe- people that are really good at what they do can spot the difference between somebody who's faking it and somebody who's also really good at what they do. You know what I mean? You're not fake. You're not faking. If, if you're a fake it till you make it type of a person, you're only faking out the people who have not done the thing that you're faking that you've done. Does that make sense? Like the, the old saying, like real recognizes real. That's, yeah. that's facts, bro. Like that's 100% true. Um, and, and so you can't fake out the people that you're trying to connect with by pretending to be somebody that you're not. So be honest about the situation that you're in. And then, um, and then you have to have a certain level of emotional intelligence about it. You can't, you can't just constantly ask people for stuff and then expect them all to, to, uh, to respond to everything that you say. So think about it in terms of like, think about it in terms of like a bank account. Right. Like if you have if you have a certain uh, a certain amount of capital in your bank account, then you cannot spend over the amount of capital that you have in your bank account or it's overdrawn. Right. So it's kind of the same thing with relationships is you have a relationship capital bank account that basically like if you try to always be if you if you're always trying to spend money that doesn't exist in your relationship capital account with this person, then that's how you're going to annoy that person. That's when you get a notification on your phone that says, you know, like you're overdrawn by $138. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how you get those types of uh, notifications, which is how you start irritating people. Um, and so uh, try to find ways to add value to relationships. Try, try to find ways to t- spend time with people, build up the, that relationship capital account that you have with some of those folks um, um, so that you can actually deserve to have it. Like one of the first times, I asked John for a favor. He said something like, oh man, that's a pretty big ask. And I was like, uh, yeah, it is. I think I've earned it. I literally said that to him like straight laced like that. I was like, I think I earned it because it was after volunteering eight hours a day for three days in a row. And I was, all I was asking for was an introduction. He was like, you know what? You're right. I respect that. And he made the introduction for me. Um, but, uh, it, but the, I did not, I did not volunteer my, to be clear, I did not volunteer my time with the intent of asking for an introduction. 
that was not like if you do it that way if you do it with the expectation of receiving something more often than not you're going to be disappointed you have to be willing to put in relationship capital with people just for the sake of building relationship capital with people and just for the sake of digging your well before you're thirsty because you never know when the day is going to come where you're going to have to reach into those bank accounts and pull out some of that capital and if you're overdrawn on all of your accounts and the day comes where you have to go ask for a favor from somebody you're not going to be able to get that to happen so um, right. don't like think think you have to put yourself in their shoes think about it from their perspective and, and i and i know that it's very difficult sometimes to do that when you're in the position that you're in because i i was there i've been there i, I remember what it was like to like like now having a bunch of demands on my time where like my schedule's full almost every week like almost every hour slot it's a, it's a it gives me a lot more empathy for the people that i was reaching out to when i first started because it's just like man i i wish i could have conversations with all these people i wish i could get to know some of these people i i just i literally don't have time like i i still i have my business i have my clients i have my employees i have my my uh my wife and now my my son and my daughter's on the way i still have my parents my sister like there's there's a bunch of different things that i have to put priorities on and so you have to put yourself in their shoes and ask yourself the question, why would this person want to spend time with me? And then whatever the answer is to that question, ask yourself if this if you're willing to put in the work to be able to get to the point where you get the relationship with that person. And if it's if it, if the answer is no, then you move then you find somebody like so you know you, you you obviously can't do that with everybody, you know. But I chose somebody like John because I was like, he's the podcast guy, he's the podcast king, business podcasting dude. So like that's something that I'm really trying to learn about right now. That's a really valuable relationship for me. Like there, there's there I really would like to try to add value to the life of this person so that I can like be somebody that differentiates myself from thousands of other people that are reaching out and asking him for stuff. I don't want to be the one asking out and asking, reaching out and asking him for stuff. I want to be the one reaching out and offering things and helping people out. Um, so, so hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. I mean, they were all really great points. I, I love what you said about like actually putting in the work. Cause I think a lot of people just ask and ask, but they don't actually do anything to like earn that ask kind of like what you do with John. So I really love what you, what you said there. And, um, so I know you got another meter here, so I'm just going to end it right here. So is there anything else you would like to say before we, before we close? Um, yeah, man, I, I guess I would just kind of put an exclamation point on my last point. Just become a person of value. If you can, if you can become a person of value, like you, the network that you have is, will always be in direct correlation to the amount of value that you can offer to the lives of other people. Um, so always try to make yourself better. And that's, that's why reading books and listening to podcasts and, and, um, working on a skill set, all of those things are so valuable because the more valuable of a person you become, the easier it is for you to be able to add value to other people. Um, and if you can help enough people and like what they want, then you can have everything in life that you want. So, um, that's what I would say, um, to, to wrap things up. So true. All right, guys, there you have it. Travis Chapel. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks a lot. Will. happy to be here, man. This episode was sponsored by Ruben Alvarez from In For The Kill Podcast. Check out his YouTube channel for product reviews, mindset videos, and interviews. Hey. No way that we go is a one-way street.